Welcome to the Behind Their Business Podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community for business owners to connect in called the Confident CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. So this interview hasn't even started yet. And I already know that it's going to be amazing because I'm talking with a personal friend of mine today and we're probably going to go off track a little bit. So we'll try to rein it in. And I also feel like I should invite everybody to grab a glass of like beer or wine and join us because this is going to be such a laid back conversation all about not letting your circumstances define you in life and business. So our guest today is going to be talking about she, based on traditional standards, shouldn't have been successful because she came from a pretty tough life growing up as a mom with a mom who was an addict. She was evicted from a couple of different homes over the years but she overcame the odds and reached multiple six figures in her business. And in her business, she is a business coach and the owner of a social media management agency. She always keeps it real over on Instagram. So you can find her there at the real coach Nina. So please welcome Nina Hurt to the podcast. Nina, so glad that you are here. I feel like we should have rolled out a red carpet. (laughs) Yay. So glad that you're here. So Before we dive into your story and all of that, do you just want to explain a little bit about, well, actually, you know what, let's just dive in. Like, let's talk about like all the way back to your childhood. Like, let's talk about that and then kind of paint the picture to what got you to here today. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Perfect. So interesting, interestingly enough, like you said, um, I come from a single mom household and I feel like so many people can relate to that, right? Um, single mom actually growing up, like you said, I mean, my mom was an addict. She was very depressed. So we see a lot of like sadness, sorrow. And I think one of the things that I learned very early on is like watching her get evicted from every house. It was like, this is what I don't want. Like that was the only thing I knew as a kid is like, what I didn't want because watching her like go out, sell prescription drugs just to make sure that we had rent and we had food on the table and a house over our head, like all of those things that you see time and time again, it was like, how, what can I do to make sure that I don't go down that path? Like, what can I do to make sure that that's not what I would have to do to support my family one day? And I think one of the biggest things that for me was just like, 
this is kind of where I got my entrepreneurial like spirit and grit from because I saw her hustling, but I'm like, I'm not doing it in that way, right? <laughs> like, I'm gonna do it in a way that's legal. Uh, but it was really interesting to like kind of watch that. And I had, you know, I had a good role model with my grandparents. I think that's kind of what saved me. But at the end of the day, it was like just watching someone do anything they could to make it work. And for me, that was like, it was really important because I think sometimes we forget that, especially now, like in business is like you literally sometimes have to do what you have to do to make it work. And like as it progressed and as I grew up, one of the biggest things that people told me was like to be successful, go to school, right? Go get good grades, go to school, go to college, get your degree, climb the corporate ladder. You'll make six figures. You'll marry a man, lol, and um, <laughs> things will be great, right? And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me follow that traditional path because that's what success was. Like, that's what happiness was. But when I, and I did those things, I obviously didn't marry a man, but I checked the boxes of going to school, going to grad school, getting that master's degree. And I was like, this is fun. This is like a hundred thousand dollar debt plaque right on my wall. Like that was great. But at the end of it, I ended up getting that corporate job and it was, it was just wasn't fulfilling. So I would sit in that job every day and, and there was nothing wrong with my boss. There's nothing wrong with the job. It just was not fulfilling. So I checked all the boxes and like all the things that said I would be successful and all the things that said I would make me money. But at the end of the day, I would sit there and I'd be like, damn, this is just like not where it's at. Like I'm coming in here. I go to the gym, go to work go home, eat dinner, go to bed. And it would be on repeat. And I'm like, this, like, I have so much more to offer the world than that, that I'm like, this is so, this is so messed up that I'm like, just doing this every day. Right. So that was why and how I ended up starting a fitness coaching business back a couple of years back. And that, you know, that was fun. It was really cool to see the transformations, but then I was like, you know, I have a master's in business and I've like really been excelling in even just helping my friends like build their business. So that was why I switched, I ended up switching over to business coaching. And from there, just being able to grow that business. And honestly, I was so resistant to like growing it based on like relationships. Cause what I, I was really scared of like people rejecting me and people not wanting to not necessarily not want to work with me, but like rejecting me in the DMS and like ghosting me and things like that. And I was like, I have no idea why I felt that way, but when I actually leaned into it and just started doing it and realizing that it doesn't matter, like when they tell you no, or if something's not for them, it doesn't really mean anything about me. So I got, I got, I just like started mastering it. Like, let me start mastering the DMs. And that's how my organic engagement agency was born is because I really enjoyed that piece of it. And that was what saw Like I saw a lot of sales from, so that was how I ended up helping other coaches do the same, but back on my, back on my stuff about, being able to do whatever you wanted and just finding that hustle. And like, when I quit my nine to five, that was like, it took me back to childhood being like, you know what? It doesn't matter what it's going to take. I'm going to make sure that I do this. If I have to connect with eight people or if I have to network or if I have to go to events or whatever the hell it may be, it's going to be on my terms, right? It wasn't going to be on anyone else's. So that's kind of how I got to where I got to today. So interesting to hear like the correlation between your mom, who was literally selling drugs to you as an entrepreneur, but that, (laughs) that grit mentality. I mean, it's true. I I personally have never thought about it that way before, but yeah. So I don't know if you mind sharing, but how are things with your mom now? Is everything? Yeah, they're good. Is it better? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's, It's better now and they're good. And you know, we have a really good relationship. We never had a bad relationship. We just had 
difference in opinion, right? Like I wouldn't go down that path and like you may be doing that thing for what you need to do to survive. But now it's like, for me, what I have built and you know, she is very proud of that. She's really excited that her child didn't go down that path and her child can, can do this. And now it's more like, for me, it's, it's not like rewarding the shit behaviors. It's like, I just like to be able to take her and do things for her because she did things for me that maybe I may not understand, right. To put, to put Christmas presents under that tree, she literally did what she had to do to, to do that. Right. Whether I agree with it or not, but it's like, now is my season of just being able to pay her back in a way that would represent, I guess, my appreciation of like, and so it's more than material, right. It's my appreciation of whatever she had to do and things she had to sacrifice to give me at least a roof over my head and food on the table. Yeah, for sure. For sure. One thing that you did mention before was like this worthiness, like this feeling of, I don't even know if it was worthiness, but like this feeling of not feeling good enough when you would have conversations with people or like when you started your business. And obviously, as you know, like relationships are a huge part of growing a business. So that's kind of necessary, especially in the online space when you don't see people face to face, like you're, you, it's built off of a relationship. So, um, I would love to know, like, is there anything that you did to help overcome those issues that you can share with other people? Or was it just like, I'm just going to get over it. And you just kind of like decided one day. Yeah, I think it was kind of a mix of both. Because when you thought, when you think about it, like as a whole, like, what's going to make this business successful? And I saw time and time again, when I wasn't building relationships, I wasn't even like talking to people in the DMs. I'm like, why the hell? Like, I'm, I'm special too. You know, like everyone else, like I'm a good coach. I don't get it. And what was happening was I was realizing that everyone that was successful was out there doing those things, like building those relationships. And I'm like, okay, so I can either shit or get off the pot, basically. Like I'm going to either do these things and build these relationships and not look at it as like, I didn't look at it as transactional or sales. Like I just want to build relationships to build relationships. And ideally, I mean, back in the beginning, it was, let's just start as many conversations as like genuine as possible. And I'll have conversations with people and they'll just buy from me. Obviously we know it's not how it works. Right. But, but Um, It was just like overcoming that fear of getting ghosted. And I think that kind of went back to expectations. One of the biggest things, and this is something I learned like also from my childhood is like, when you release all the expectations, so, so much, so many things happen for you. It's like, when I let go of that and thought, you know what, I'm just going to have conversation to have conversation. I have zero expectations. If any of these people will be my clients, like, let's just see if we vibe. Right. And of course, like later on, I realized it has to come back down to like having a good product, building authority and all of that, all the extras that, you know, strategic extras, but at the core of it, it was, it was like, wow, if I don't do this, what's the alternative, right? Like the alternative is me going to a nine to five, which I hate. So you might as well do it, have these conversations. And like, so your ego gets hurt if someone tells you no, or so you, you feel like not worthy for a second. I think that happens to a lot of people in the beginning is they put their, they put their worth in it and it doesn't mean anything. Like I started to recognize it has nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with my program. It's maybe someone's not ready or maybe someone got busy or they're just like, they don't want to be sold to. I mean, I don't know. There's a million reasons why people either don't answer you or, you're having a conversation with them and they just decide they don't want this program or maybe they told you they did and then they didn't. 
Like it just is what it is. And I think at the end of the day, when you unattached, when you become so unattached to whatever happens and you just genuinely care about helping them, like it changes everything for you. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yes. When you come from a place of service and you completely detach, that's where the magic happens. And I think, I don't know, let me know your perspective on this, but I noticed that a lot of people are just solely focused on transactions. They're focused on transactional experiences and not transformational experiences. Like, and if you want to be successful, especially in the online space, like you're not seeing people face-to-face like you are in a brick and mortar. So if you are at the point where you're struggling, like you're afraid to have conversations with people, you're not going to get very far because clients are literally the basis of your business growing and you making money. And I think like something like even a part of that is like, I think for the most part, especially women, they don't like to be, they don't like to be transactional, like on the outward side, but also on the inward side, if you're working with women, like I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast was never like, oh my God, they slid in my DM and said, Hey, you want to buy my stuff? And I was like, oh yeah, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a numbers game, right? For some people, I know this is a lot with like men and masculine marketing, but it's not to say women don't do it, but it seems like when you, when someone does something like that, it just becomes a numbers game and it takes a person out of it. And it's like, for me, I want to recognize that person because I want to want to know who I'm working with. Like, especially on a close intimate relationship. And two, I would never expect someone to invest the amount of my coaching in me that I just like, was like, Hey, you want to buy my program? Like, I, that's just weird to me. Right. <laughs> like, We got it. I got to know you first. Cause I'm not trying to issue a bunch of refunds. I've yet to issue a refund in my business. So <laughs> to me, I'm like, I need to know you. I need to like, almost make sure that we're going to be a good fit so that you're not disappointed. I'm not disappointed. So again, it's going back to like setting those expectations up front. Yeah, for sure. And I know one of the other things that you talked about was kind of like building authority too, which kind of plays on the whole relationship thing. And are you still in clubhouse all the time? Because I knew you used to be on there like literally every day. Oh my God. No, I wish, but (laughs) it got too, it got too salesy for me back to my transactional. It got too salesy and I was like, I don't really like that. Really? I haven't been in there. And like, I don't think I've been in there at all this year, honestly. Me either. That's interesting. I I stopped liking it when it started to be like that because I'm like, everyone always had something to sell. Every room I was in, they had something to sell. I'm like, this isn't fun anymore. It was fun when we gave value and you come to my Instagram and buy something if you want. But when every single conversation was just leading to someone selling something, it just wasn't fun, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like just nonstop masterclasses, basically. Yeah, yeah. But like also buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And I was like, this is not, this is not for me. Like, I like to have fun with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why I enjoyed it in the very beginning, personally. But um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, like, what would you say to somebody who, like, say they're in the same position that you were, like, all those years ago? When you were like in your nine to five job, well, that wasn't even that long ago. That was like, what, two, two years, three years ago, something like oh, that. Oh, it was like a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, all those years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last June. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, wow. That's what is time. Um, but anyway, um, if somebody is in that space right now, I would just want to talk about that a little bit. Like what advice would you give to them? Like somebody comes from bad background. They shouldn't have been successful. They think that they're like stuck 
for lack of a better term, in this life that they have, what like feedback or encouragement would you give to them? So I think I'm going to say something like super unpopular opinion is that I don't think that like one, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone. Like I was just, let's just call it what it is. And the other part of that is I don't think like you being in a nine to five and starting and or running your business is a bad thing. I think it's a lot of people put emphasis on like quitting your nine to five and how important it is to quit your nine to five and just jump and take risks. Some people have families. They can't do that. Like Let's just be honest. You know, we're not. I just want to say that I'm really glad that you brought that up because I'm so sick of people saying like, just quit your job. Don't feed your family, live off of ramen and go for your dreams. Like that's not realistic for everybody. So thank you for saying that. Right. Live out of your car with your dog and your three kids. Like it's just not realistic. That's not like like the quote unquote van life you see. (laughs) No, that's not, that's not the vibe. So what I think is like, what I do think is important is that you're able to do that. Like there has to be a balance, right? So for me, I like to use when I was in my nine to five as like an angel investor. So if there's something I wanted to buy, or there's a program I wanted to invest in, I was able to make that money through my nine to five. I'm like, oh, I can invest now, right? It was just extra money as I built my business. So for me, I would like to, like I, the way that I see it is you don't have to, like, I would not fall into that pressure of like, oh my God, I'm not successful if I have a nine to five. You can do both. I know plenty of people that build six figure businesses with a nine to five. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think it has to be like the end all be all, right? Especially if you like it. So for me, it's like, find what it is that you really like and what really is going to make you excited and go for that. But there's nothing wrong with building them both at the same time. Um, I think it's just like, it's having that discipline. Because if you really, if you honestly, what I think is if you really want it, you'll work towards it. It doesn't mean you have to quit your nine to five tomorrow. I just think that maybe sometimes it is, it's shitty, right? It's shitty to have to work from 6 to 9 p.m. when you worked all day. Or it's shitty to have to write a piece of content to post on your lunch break. But it's like, at what cost? Like, what do you want more? And when you keep building it up and keep building it up, I mean, I did coaching calls in my car on my lunch break, you know, like I I have no fear. Like I would host courses in Starbucks being like, okay, well, the time is 12 to one. You know, this is what time it is. Like I can't, this is it, you know, but I think when you sacrifice, you may sacrifice certain things, but in the long run, it usually ends up being worth it as long as you're staying consistent with it. And you're also knowing that you are, like you said, coming from that place of service because people feel that people feel that energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I'm so glad that you talked about using the money that you're making in your nine to five to invest in your business, because I did the same thing. I was working in my business. I think I can never remember years correctly, which is so bad, but it was like two or three years that I was running my business while working in my nine to five. I think it was two years. I don't know, something like that. Um, But I did exactly what you're saying. Like all of the coaching, the courses, all of the programs that I invested in, I literally used money from my nine to five to fund that in the beginning stages, because I knew that once I left that nine to five job, like I was done, right? Like, like you don't have anything to fall back on. And I know that people say like, burn the boats, go all in, but also you have to be a little bit realistic with like your situation. If you have a family, if you have a mortgage to pay. So like I said before, I always suggest like doing both at the same time until you have, I don't know, like three to six months worth of savings. Maybe that looks different for you, but like some kind of nesting so that you don't feel a ton of pressure after you do leave your nine to five. 
Well, I think too, like to, to go off of that is like that you don't want to come from a place of scarcity either, because then that goes back to transactional, right? Is right. if I don't have money in my savings account to feel confident for, you know, maybe I want to make an investment or maybe it's also paying my bills for the next six months. If I don't feel confident in that, a lot of people will fall into like, I have to make this next sale. I have to do this, right? So you get in this, stuck in this cycle and it becomes almost again, transactional and not exciting. And then you're just leading yourself to burnout. So for, in my mind, it's like, you want to be comfortable so you can sell and create things from a place of abundance instead of sitting there day in and day out where you're like, where's my next dollar going to come from? Where's my next sale? Right. Cause then you start to get in that mindset and it's like that, that doesn't feel good either. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I can totally relate to that. Cause I was in that mindset for a second. And like one month we had to use, like I had this old gift card from target and I had to use that to literally pay for our groceries because I was so stuck in that scarcity mentality for such a long freaking time. And it is difficult to get out of, but I mean, in all reality, like if you want to be successful, you cannot live in that scarcity mindset. It's just not possible. Yeah. Cause when you're stuck thinking of like, where's the next sale going to come from? You really like what it does for you just in general, like you, your audience, all of it, they feel that like the people in your DMS feel that the people, if you're doing a story, if you're doing content, like it just looks like it's desperation. And if any of you have ever gone on dates, you know what it's like when someone's so (laughs) desperate to have you, you know what I mean? You're not attracted to that. Oh, that's such a good example. And I just had a couple of different past experiences pop up in my mind, which was like, oh, so funny. Like people like literally begging you to go out on another date and you're like, this is not going to work. Sorry. But you're so turned off, right? Like I think it's the same thing when you're selling something. It's like if someone just basically begging me to join their program, I'm like, well, your confidence level is not that high. So now I'm just like instantly turned off and I don't even want this anymore. Right. Exactly. But I do think that there's a difference between like, it's like, it's a fine line between like begging people to join versus like sharing the, the benefits of joining. And I think people like sometimes blur the line between those. Like, I feel like some people just like vomit everything out that's in the program without like giving the person a second to think about it. But also that comes from that, like lack and scarcity mentality, right? They feel like they have to do that to make it sound worth it to the other person. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's like, it's getting through like that fear too. Right. It, I think like exactly like what you were saying is when we're sitting there going, okay, okay, you need this, you need this. That's a different vibe than if I can approach it. And I'm like, what's coming up for you? Because for me, I'm going to challenge some fear, but I'm not going to tell you, like you said, here's like 50 more things you get when you join this program, right? You get 12 weeks, you get this many calls, you get this, this, and this is, oh, and I'll throw in some templates and this is why it's this price, right? Versus if I'm just like, this is what it is. And if some fear is coming up, like I'll work through that with someone. And that's a little bit different than legit. I can't do it. And now you're begging them. So it's, it's two different places. Like you said, there is definitely a fine line, but it's like at, at what cost and can you read that? Like, can you read into it to see like, is that actually an excuse or is it just someone that can't do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that comes with time and experience, honestly, understanding the difference, but you can tell when somebody just literally can't do it. And if you are talking to somebody, just stop. Like, don't, don't, could you look dumb? <laughs> like, yes. 
I'm like, I will nurture them from afar, you know, and that's okay if they can't like do it right now, or maybe it's a program or maybe it's a time. But I also think something that people end up doing is they just dismiss it. And like, I don't want to dismiss them forever because if they're interested in me and they really wanted to buy something. Right. And it's like, and if this coaches have done this to me before where I just wasn't ready for that program, or maybe I was in a different program, or maybe I just didn't have the funds, especially when I started and they just dismissed me versus someone that continued to like nurture me. It doesn't need to be every day, but nurtured me. And then maybe had a different program that was a little bit smaller. I still wanted to work with them. Right. And I still purchased from them because they had these programs for me that I can now get into versus someone that just says, Oh, well, she can't afford it to check her off the list. And now I can't, now I'm never going to work with you. Right. Cause you made me feel like that. So it's all about how you make them feel at the end of the day. For sure. It's again, it goes back to the relationships and treating people like humans. What a concept. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know why people forget that. Like, yes, you're hiding or you're not hiding, but like, yes, you're sitting behind a keyboard or a phone, but that doesn't mean that you can forget that there's a human on the other side of the screen. Right. And I think a lot of people do, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And I think it's what makes like selling and sales, like either easy or not at the end of the day, like, I think it comes down to like your confidence and also how, how you treat someone and like the recognition you give or don't give them. Like, I think, especially with women, right. A lot of women buy based on emotion and they want to feel like they're hurt. They're seen, they're recognized, you know, they, they want to know that this is a good decision. It's an empowered decision for them. Not just I'm buying this because I have to. And then they sit with that buyer's remorse and unfortunately, then that's when you end up having either nightmare clients or refunding people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I've been down that path before with nightmare clients and that's never fun. <laughs> so, um, but again, it came from scarcity mentality, but anyway, before we wrap up, I don't, I don't know if you have any stories that you can share, but if you do, I would love for you to share like maybe like one or two stories that you remember from your childhood that have now defined you as the person that you are today. And I know that's a big ask, so I don't know if anything is coming up top of mind for you, but do you have anything that you want to share? Hmm, that was a good one. Um, I think, I think for me, just going back to what everyone said, would make you like successful what everyone said would make you think that you were gonna like do it if you think about think about school right this is something I think of all the time so you think you go back and think about school you think about every I mean everyone your counselors your teachers your mom your dad all they want to do is ask you what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life I don't even I don't know what boyfriend I want right now you know like I can't pick this you know, I'm 17. What do you mean? So they asked you so early. And I think a lot of emphasis and something that it comes back to, like, even I think like as I'm older and in my career is everything people ask is what do they do? You ever, you ever notice that when someone meets someone, it's like, oh, what does your husband do? Right. Oh my it's gosh. Like, all the time. And at this point, I'm just like, it's so hard to explain what I do to people who don't understand yeah. the other world. I'm like marketing business yeah. coach. Like, and that, I just kind of leave it at that. And it's good enough the majority of the time. But I think like even taking that back now, like when I think back to my childhood, it's like taking that back now, it's no one ever asked me what, what would make me happy. Right. And this is something that I think of now is like, even when, and something I want people to take away from listening to this is when you meet someone and 
you they're talking to you about like a man or like i don't care if you're going on a dating site your friends going on a dating site and they're like oh i met this guy josh and the first question you say is what does josh do? what does he do it is nothing like what the, what does it matter you know like i think it, obviously yes it's important to want to have a job and not sleep on a couch sure but at the in the other end of it i just think i always go back to thinking of like is he happy? Is what he's doing making him happy? That's what's important to me. Because I think so many times people get burnt out and hate their job and just do this like every day. Like I said, it's like a cycle of like, wake up, do this, go eat, and then go to bed and go repeat, right? So for me, it's like taking that back from childhood. I wish someone would have just said like, what would make you happy? And I think that's something I bring in now into my adulthood is like, like you think about even like skilled trades, right? There's no, they, they almost are like not looked down upon, but it's like, he's a plumber. Okay. Something breaks in your house. You're going to want that plumber, right? <laughs> like, is he happy? Does he enjoy it? Like, what are those things? And I think that so many people put so much emphasis on schooling. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously we need it for a lot of professions. And I think it's, it's really good for future education, but I just wish that someone would have asked me like, what is it that you want to do? That's going to make you excited, like happy. And to me, that's more important than I want to make six figures and just be in routine. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think I took from my childhood really early on is like watching my, even watching my parents be so unhappy. It's like, what would make me happy? And this was it, even if it was risk taking, right. It was risky, but for me, it was like, when you had nothing, you have nothing to lose. Like mm-hmm. you, you take risk because you didn't have, there's nowhere to go when you're down. There's nowhere, there's no below, you know, nowhere so to I go think, but up. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like coming back to like, what actually is going to bring that happiness to you and like lean into that versus just doing whatever someone else says or whatever expectation society, your parents, whatever put on you. And a lot of times, and to be honest with you, your family, and your friends just aren't going to understand what you do. And that's okay. Like, don't, that's fine. My mom still doesn't understand what I do. I haven't been working in my job for over a year. <laughs> Mom's like, you sell fitness? No, I didn't. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't do that. But some of my friends do. They're like, oh, you sell fitness packages? I'm like, no, I've been not doing that for like four years now. <laughs> Come on. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just like whatever it is that is going to bring that joy to you, because that to me is more important than bringing home, you know, if I'm working, if I was working a nine to five, bringing home. 70k doing what I actually like to do you see how much more money that will actually make you when you're excited about it Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yes and we talked about detachment earlier but like also detaching from expectations that society has that your friends and family have because no nobody in my family understands what I do they think I build websites I'm like I haven't done that for five years. Why? Why would you think I'm still building websites? Um, well, that, yeah, that too. I like bringing that back from childhood too. Is like you think about it, you get so much judgment placed on you from such a young age. I mean, you're, you're placing it on yourself, and other people are placing it on you as well. Like, I mean, friends, family, all of it. And to me now, like as an adult, it's I honestly like for what? No, I I don't care what. Julie from high school has to say, right? Like she doesn't pay my bills. She doesn't live in my brain. She doesn't live my life every day. And like, I think a lot of people are scared to either start or pursue their dreams because they're so worried about what someone else is going to think or say. And Mm -hmm. I just think that like, none of that, none of that matters. And why do people let it affect them so much? Because they're not you. Like you have a family to provide for You have, you know, maybe you have a spouse, maybe you have kids and like, for you, that's probably immediately what matters. And releasing that, like you said, releasing that judgment of 
what anyone, I mean, what your cousin Terry thinks or your friend, like I said, it doesn't, that doesn't matter because it, it happened to me when I first started this. And I know some of them, some of my friends were super judgmental. Most of the first ones that are asking me if I can help them build their business or if I can give them a job. And I'm like, yeah, you remember when you judged me when I first said, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I, I wanted to go back to the point that you said about the happiness too, like just being happy with what you're doing, because one thing that a lot of people don't realize is when you're happy and you're actually doing what you enjoy doing, you're going to make way more money with it too. Will those first couple of years be a little bit more difficult to figure out how like the business journey works? Sure. But like, think about the return that that's going to have on the rest of your life when you can actually like work 20 hours a week or whatever it is. You can actually go to the gym at 11 o'clock in the morning if that's what you want to do. Right? It's all about that freedom. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, but also something that we're doing with our son at a very early age is like giving him obviously not like total freedom because that would be complete chaos, but like more freedom and not really setting expectations for him, for what he wants to do. Like our, my mom is already starting like this college fund for him. I was like, well, I can't promise that it's going to be used for college. If he wants to be an entrepreneur, start his own business when he's 18, I'm going to let him do it. Like he can do whatever he wants to do. He's his own person. Right. And I don't think there's enough of that personally. Yeah. And I mean, you know what, he will learn. And if he like fails, I say this in quotes, if he fails at something, he will learn a lot from it. And maybe the next thing it will make him even more successful at, right? Like it's not like it's, it may be a setback. That's what I like to see it as. It might, it might set him back, but that's okay. Maybe set him back for a year and then he finds what he really likes to do. Right. There's no, Mm -hmm. and like, like I was saying earlier, even with the skilled trade, like Maybe he wants to go and like start his own landscape business. There's nothing wrong with it. (laughs) Shoot, I hope he does. He can do my landscaping because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Same, send him here. But I, you know, I think of that too as like so many people, I think in in corporate, they look down upon skilled trades. And I'm like, you need these people. What happened during the pandemic? You needed these people, you know? For sure. Yeah. I, I never understood. I've never understood the dynamics of that, but also like all of the people who do go to college and then they don't use their degrees for anything. Like my degree, I have an art degree because I had, I got a degree in graphic design. Like what am I'm not even using that right now. <laughs> so you're spending the other yeah. thing. I just want to talk about this for like a very brief second is like people, they're totally fine with spending like a hundred thousand plus dollars on a college degree. But when it comes to starting a business, it's like, whoa, I can't spend like $3,000 to get started or whatever the yeah. number is. Right. So that, like, I just want one semester that. plus alcohol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Maybe even more like the school that I went to was very expensive. It was like 30 grand a year or some, maybe 35. I don't know. That was without room and board. Cause I lived at home, but it was crazy expensive. And I'm so grateful that I had my mom to actually pay for that. I'm one of those kids. um, I'm so grateful for that. But also like, I don't use it for anything now. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, (laughs) I don't want you to think you wasted your money, but. um, But you did. I'm kidding. (laughs) I know, but I did. Sorry. Sorry, I'm still paying student loans back. So life's good. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, we still have my husband's student loans too, which hopefully they'll be paid off sooner rather than later. But that's the other part of it. Like coming out, maybe getting a job that you like, and then it's like, then you have all of these student loans on top of it. So 
I have lots of thoughts about college, which we don't have to go into right now. But um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with everybody before we wrap up? I just think like all for everyone that's listening, like I really think it's just like releasing those expectations in all aspects of life. And like I said, like whether it be like your high school friends, your family, whatever, and also releasing expectations of people going like going to work with you or not going to work with you, like release those expectations of like when you put yourself out there and just come from like you said, stuff is like a place of service, it will happen. Um, when you take those expectations out, just watch how much will actually change. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's an amazing note to end on. So thank you again for being here, Nina. You're amazing. I love you. And where can people find you? Is Instagram the best place? I'm assuming. Oh my God, thanks for having me. And yes, um, Instagram at the real coach, Nina, like Steph said, uh, you, you got, if you're those of you that obviously don't know me, just come in my DMS, talk some crap to me. I like it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> like every time I do any kind of training, like, please just talk some crap to me in the DMS. I will not sell you. It's fine. Just talk to me. <laughs> oh, send her a DM and say, I heard you on behind their business and you sucked. <laughs> See what she says. And if you send me a picture of an opossum, I'll just be like, so happy. Yeah, I don't understand your obsession with those. They're so creepy. They're so cute. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again for being here. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at behindtheirbusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.